Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richards Cafe, TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, ATB Painting, and Performance Food Group. Poor Richards Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richards Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. This podcast is also brought to you by TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor of Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Raglan and Devin Hassan. And gentlemen, let's talk week 11 of high school football season. As is the case at this juncture of the week, we're going to preview uh, five of the marquee matchups in our neck of the woods. A pretty solid week, though, as far as uh, Game of the Week candidates. They uh, some, had to leave some pretty quality matchups off the uh, off the five-game uh, the five game ballot. But nevertheless, thank you to everybody who voted on the uh, Game of the Week poll at our website. Site, starlocalmedia.com. At the end of the day, though, we kind of had an inkling going into this one that everybody <laughs> might be playing for second place, yep. given that uh, one particular game was going to be on the uh, on the poll. And sure enough, that game did not disappoint. Uh, Friday, seven o'clock, Homer B. Johnson Stadium. The uh, the best thing going in Garland ISD football right now: Saxy versus Rowlett. Devin, was there ever a doubt that this is what we'd be talking about on Wednesday? Not at all. I mean, these teams may not win the state championship this year, but when it comes to social media and getting yes. rallying that student body and those fans out to, behind a, a voting cause, um, there's there. May, may not may not be a better uh, team in the state or school in the state. I was like, what what kind of game would, is it, would it take to dethrone a Saxy versus Rowlett game in any sort of a game of the week poll? Would it have to be like Allen versus Katie or something like that? And maybe they were able to like Kyler Murray was granted like another year of high school eligibility or yeah. something crazy like. You know, you never can tell that, and that's just the nature of social media, though. You know, it just sometimes it catches like mm-hmm. wildfire, and you know maybe the Allen Katie game catches on, maybe it doesn't. It's just it's so hard. Even you know you would. Expect a, a school like Allen with 6,500 students mm-hmm. can just rally the troops at any time. Um, but again, then you got these you have these communities, and mm-hmm. we saw it earlier this season even with Sunnyvale. Yeah. Little Sunnyvale uh, won our game of the week because it wasn't just the students that were voting; it was the parents, it was that community that was so proud of that school. So I don't know. That's an intriguing question. Uh, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> tough because this week they won with like what 350. The second place was usually 250 or whatever the second place game had. I think it was you know Poteet McKinney North. Usually that's 
That's good enough. You get it all locked up. But yeah. not when Rowlett's on the board. It's actually yeah. It is a beast like few others that the game of the week Cole has encountered. So uh, nevertheless, yeah, let's discuss this game because, um, like I said, this is you know for what, let's say the last like three four years or so since Garland ISD became its its own district. This has been kind of your main event, uh, you know, year in year out between Saxe and uh, Rowlett. And sure enough, Friday's game carries uh, significant stakes, as has been the case in recent years. Um, so I guess well before we get into the actual game itself. Um, this is a very unique rivalry. So just, Devin, um, just in the years that you've been around this rivalry, just talk a bit about the significance of Saxe versus Rowlett. Well, you know, Rowlett opened in 1996, mm-hmm. and they developed an instant rivalry with Lakeview because they are right across the lake. Yeah. Uh, now it's the newest school. And then when Saxe opened in 2002 and started playing uh, sports in 2004, um, that became the instant rivalry. Uh, they're just... Now, there was no George Bush back then, but yeah. now they're just, you know, basically five miles down the road on George Bush. And um, the unique thing about Saxe is probably about half their kids live in Rowlett. Yeah. It's just the way that the attendance zone, uh, zones are structured in Garland ISD. So, you know, a lot of these kids grow up going to the same elementary school, maybe going to the same middle school. They certainly play on the same peewee teams, mm-hmm. the same middle school teams. Some of them even, I, I know cases where they live in the same neighborhood. Yeah. It's just that with the way the attendance zone is structured, it's one side of the street goes to Rowlett and one side goes Saxy. So they, I mean, they literally interact every day, you know, every week. And, and like I say, this is, it's always been a big game, but especially, you know, Rowlett has made 14 straight playoff appearances. Once Saxy kind of got to that level in 2010 and became a perennial playoff team of their own, uh, that obviously that rivalry took on heightened importance. And uh, certainly these last three years when it's basically been a de facto district title game, uh, they've played you know, basically an eighth game of the season in the last two years, mm-hmm. um, but this one certainly being in, in week 11, yeah. um, it's uh, th- those fan bases are excited. There's also something special when you get a rivalry game in week 11, too, just as far as for, especially for two teams that are bound for the playoff just for momentum's sake. Um, so looking at these two teams kind of on paper, um, you know, Rowlett comes in with one of its be- better regular season records, you just in recent program history, they're 7-1, and 5-1 and one district play. Saxe has overcome that, uh, that 0-3 start to the mm-hmm. season and have won, I believe, what is it, six straight? Yes, six straight. So they're six and zero in district, six and three overall in the season. Um, so let's start with um, let's start with Saxe. You know, Saxe was a team that we weren't really entirely sure what to make of them at the at the start of the year, coming off the high of their 2017 campaign. They um, you know, they they scheduled a very difficult slate with yep. Capel, Euless Trinity, Plano East. Uh, they went zero three in non district. They really struggled with some consistency at the quarterback position. Um, they had to play, I believe, three different quarterbacks within the first three games of the season, which that right there says all you need to know about the struggles that they were going through. So, But they seem to find a bit of an answer there midway through the season from an unlikely spot with a shifting receiver Derek Rose to the position. He then goes down with an injury after two and a half starts. So, I mean, what do you kind of make of Saxe right now, just where they're at right now, as they've at least righted the ship, more or less, but I guess in that district, I guess we'll kind of have a better idea of just how improved they are when they face a team like Rowlett. Well, and it, it, it has been a series of adjustments because, you know, Saxe's been fortunate in the sense that it's not often you get back-to-back division when quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, some schools, some programs actually can roll that out. Um, but it's unique. You know, they had Kent Meyer starting for two years, who rewrote the record book, and then after he graduated and went on to Utah State, Jalen Maiden takes the reins and has a three-year career that rewrites all of Kent Meyer's records before he goes on to Mississippi State. And they just didn't have that same caliber of player, um, you know, ready to step in. That's no knock on the quarterbacks yeah. they have. It's just, you know, D1 talent didn't just fall off the These are the best quarterbacks in program yeah. history. Yeah. Um, and so, like you say, you know, they, 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 they've had to use four different quarterbacks. Uh, part of that is is due to injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, three of them. You know, there was concussion problems. There was shoulder.
the problems. There's there's been all sorts of issues they've had to overcome, and it's, it's tough to del- develop a rhythm. You know, when you're just there's a new signal caller out there every day, and, and you know, the quarterbacks can't get on the same page as the receivers. So basically, what they decided to do halfway through the season, even before they moved Derrick Rose over to that position, um, was was to create an identity because they, you know, Coach Red Baron said we didn't have one, and so we're going to go back to do some of the things we were doing last year. Um, Go to over two back sets uh, and, and rely on, on the running game. It didn't help that they were starting three sophomores in the offensive line, so it took some time for them to gel and, and get going. Um, but that's kind of when they started turning the corner. Um, you know, albeit some can argue the competition level and since say take that for what it's will, but they're more you know interested in you know just how that uh, offense was clicking. And with Miles Nash, Tory Washington, and KJ Williams, it gives them three um, reliable backs. You know, Miles Nash is a speed guy; you can get him out in the open field. He's a valuable you know receiver as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Tory Washington is a big play guy as well. Uh, great special teams player, uh, breakaway speed, and KJ Williams it, you know has some speed too, some hidden speed, but he's more of a bruiser. So it gives them kind of three different options. It's not just Rolling kind of the same same back out, you know, just rotating. They they do bring different things to the table. You know, they're averaging 206 yards a game on the ground, and that was really when they started kind of turning the corner and getting, like, say, that identity. Um, Derrick Rose gave him a lift. Uh, you know, he shifted out from the wide receiver position back under center where he played some as a freshman uh, because he was able to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to Cameron Cromer, to Trent Dean, and Chase Cromer, and. Um, but, you know, whoever ends up taking the steps on Friday, uh, you know, Saxe feels confident because they had that ground game established and they think they can rely on that. And that certainly is going to open things up for whoever's throwing the ball. And they've got one of the better defenses in the area, too, to, to lean on if need be. They, they really do. Um, you know, it's it's they've been up front. They've just been uh, phenomenal. I mean, that's, you know, Hunter Spears, Clark Yardbow, Ryan Jones, uh, they, uh, Josh Stafford, they run a deep. Uh, rotation deeps of line. I mean, they'll run seven, eight guys in there. That group is combined for 18 sacks, 70 tackles for loss, and 85 quarterback hurries. Um, you know, and even if they're not recording quote unquote stats, they're putting the pressure on the opposing quarterback, making them get rid of the ball, disrupting the flow of their offense. Um, and, and behind them, I mean, that is that is a group. That back seven is full of playmakers. Bryce Robinson is one of the most active linebackers that you'll see out there. Um, he's their he's their captain. He's their leader. He has a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, and you look in the secondary, Braylon Brooks is having not just an all-district type season. He's having an all-state type season. How many players need eight interceptions in the regular season? <laughs> you know, you know, in essentially nine games. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of those he's taken back um, all the way for, for touchdowns. Um, he's got ten pass breakups. I mean, he's, he's been a lockdown guy. His, his, his interceptions have come at big times. You know, I mentioned the two pick sixes. Well, he's also had two late in games that have sealed victories uh, when they had to come back against Lakeview a couple weeks ago, a game that they trailed uh, by, you know, two scores late. They had to score 21 points in the fourth quarter uh, to come back and win that game 49-38. to um, Berlin Brooks had a pick six in that game, but he also had an uh, interception in the end zone to seal at the end. So he's come up huge. Micah Buchanan is a ball hawk in the secondary. He can come up and make great plays and run support. He is an interception return for a touchdown early this year. Um, you know, Tim Cherry has a couple picks. Matthew Carter, who was part of that talented stable of running backs last year, has moved over and, and, and kind of plays a rover position in that secondary. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the one thing I think I mentioned in Monday's podcast. Uh, Saxe's got a good defense, so does Rowlett. 
Yes. But Sassy's got the edge in playmakers. At least they've shown that so far. Yeah, it was was kind of the expectation coming into the season that Rowlett's defense would be, I mean, statistically, there really isn't much separation between them and Saxe, um, which I don't know if that was expected coming into the year. I mean, just looking at recent performances, like them holding Lakeview Centennial, who just mentioned, as just seven points. They were really the first team all season to figure out Plano's run game, um, you know, back in non-district play. Um, in, but then there's that Wiley game that's just kind of this this red herring that just kind of threw, you know, really get, just kind of threw everybody off the scent for a moment on Rowlett, but nevertheless, um, talk a little bit about Rowlett's defense and just the strides that that side of the ball has made for the Eagles. It was a little bit of a surprise because there were so many question marks in their front seven coming in. I mean, they, they, dra- they drafted, they, they graduated a couple of their um, defensive linemen and basically their entire linebacking core, and Rowlett has always kind of leaned on that linebacker group. Um, you know, to make plays, but they've had other people step up. I mean, Gabriel Tito was a contributor last year who's really elevated his game on the defensive line. Uh, Darius Dunlap, another kid that's come on strong. Uh, Demodric Wade was their one holdover um, at linebacker that kind of stepped into that leadership position. He's their leading tackler. Uh, other guys have stepped up from him, like Xavier Gale. The strength coming in, though, the one proven commodity uh, was in the secondary, mm-hmm. and that group has lived up to the bill, uh, lived up to its billing. You know, Lance Canyon, Jared Wesley, uh, Ennis Henderson, Cameron miles. Uh, that group has done a tremendous job all season long. You know, you mentioned the aberration of Wiley where they gave up 48 points. Yeah. You know, they haven't given up more than 22 in any other game all yeah. season long. And, uh, you know, you mentioned you know, that shutting down that Plano high-powered running running game. Um, you know, they've gone against some, some pass-happy teams like Lakeview. Yeah. Um, that, that just put 38 up on Saxe the week before and hold, to hold them to seven points. So, um, you know, it's it, that Wiley game kind of makes you scratch your head, but consistently, week in, week out, for the most part, that Rowlett team has just been good. Because it seems like a team that's equipped for maybe whatever type of game unfolds on Friday that they can. They do have the offense to, do, you know, to hang with Saxe if a shootout were to materialize, plus they're just as comfortable having to win like a 24-21 style mm-hmm. game, too. Well, and, and, I, and I think, again, that... that that Plano game in particular, but you know, Naaman Forrest is, is one of those grinded out, yeah. you know, ball control offenses. Uh, South Garland has Jaquarian Turner, who's one of the top running backs mm-hmm. in, the, in the district. You know, Lakeview has Kamar Wheaton, who's, you know, just an electric back, and they've done a good job handling all those guys. And that's why I think, you know, when we talked about Saxe's running game, um, that's one of the, to me, one of the two interesting matchups is, is how they, you know, match up with Saxe when they're their three-headed monster. Mm-hmm. And the other one we just got through talking about Saxe's secondary. Uh, that's the one element of Rowlett's game that's really come along is the passing game. Yeah. Uh, Chase DePaul last year was kind of thrown into the fire. He Preston Weeks got in, injured late in the season. He came out for the last essentially two and a half games. But then he missed spring workouts because he was part of the baseball team. So he only got about five, five practices there. So it's been kind of a work in progress. It's been a, a learning experience. Every week he's grown more and more, and he's really hit his stride. Uh, he's thrown for 20 touchdowns this year. 16 of those come in the last five games. He's got one of the better one-two receiving punches uh, in the area. Uh, Jerry Evans is a, is a track guy. Uh, he was kind of an established commodity coming in. They knew he was going to be their go-to guy. Antonio Hull had shown promise. He was a district uh, offensive newcomer of the year last year. Um, Again, as Topal kind of figured out what he was doing, Antonio Hull adjusted accordingly. Now he's come along, come on strong. Uh, that duo is combined for 15 touchdowns, 15 of the 20 touchdowns they have through the air. So, again, against that playmaking secondary, it, it, I'm interested to see how this route, uh, you know, passing offense fares. 
As far as um, just kind of general paths to victory for this game, um, let's at least let's look at Saxy first. What do you feel is what needs to go right for Saxy to be able to extend their winning streak over Rowlett? I think Saxy needs to get off to a good start. This is not the quick strike. We we have our, you know our possessions last mm-hmm. two minutes because we moved the ball eighty yards in four plays type offense like they've had in the last five years. This is ground based. You know, offense. Not to say they can't make plays through the year, but they would like to chew the clock a little bit. They would like to wear that opposing defense out. And so, if they were to fall behind, like say in last year's game where they trailed thirty-five to twenty-one in this in the fourth quarter, well, they were able to overcome that deficit. I don't know if this offense is geared toward ma- making up a deficit like that. Mm-hmm. So, I think if they can get off to that good start, get the lead, grind that clock, wear a lot, rally it down a little bit, um, that'll make a huge difference. And if you need any sort of precedent, I'd be curious to find out how much time Rallet has spent trailing all mm-hmm. season. With the you know besides the Wiley game because that does feel like the only time all season where a team has come out and like legit put it on Rowlett from the get go. They were down fourteen nothing in the first quarter in that game, including a pick six, and that just seemed to you know Wiley will have games like that. You know they were just in the in the Plano Allen district mm-hmm. these last couple of years, and Wiley you know Wiley would just kind of be under the radar, and then they go out and beat Plano thirty one to three in the middle of the season. <laughs> you like, where the heck did that come from? Yeah. So they're capable capable of, uh, of performances like that, but at least that seems to be the only time though where. Rowlett has had to work out of any serious adversity this season. And, so. and, and, yeah, and that's true. And, and Wiley did the same thing to Saxe. They jumped yeah. on Saxe early and led a lot of that mm-hmm. game before Saxe kind of took control late. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's a very valid point is what happens when Rowlett isn't a close game. Yeah. Uh, kind of sticking with that then, Rowlett, um, just where do you see kind of their uh, their most realistic path to victory <clears throat> in this one? I, I think just stick to their game plan in terms of don't try to overextend yourself. I mean, I think when you get into a, a rivalry game like this, sometimes um, you try a couple different things mm-hmm. and, and, and it doesn't work out. I think if Rowlett, you know, even if it, I mentioned Saxe's key is getting out early, I think if they do that, Rowlett just sticks to his game plan. I mean, they want to run Chauncey Amos. They want to be two-dimensional. They, they have to be two-dimensional against that. And that Saxe front is so tough to run on, but at the same time, you got to keep plugging at it. That's what they did last year, and they were able to open some holes in the second half when they were able to take the lead. So stick to the game plan on offense, and again, just contain big plays on defense. This is not the same kind of quick strike sexy team, but you know, if they're going to bend but don't break type thing, just don't give it the big plays because that's not what the sexy offense is known for. I wonder, like, this game, it's, you know, fortunately this game is happening in week 11. It feels like this game could have taken place at so many different junctures of the season, and the winner and the projected favorite might be different each mm-hmm. time. If oh. this was taking place right at the start of district, well, that man. And then middle of the season, right after that Wiley game, well, I guess advantage Saxy. <laughs> well, and, and because they both shown these flashes, uh, you know, one, one week, like I say, Saxy mm-hmm. doesn't have the ability to throw the ball downfield. The next week they'll have three touchdown mm-hmm. passes of more than 50 yards. They have that ability. They just haven't been able to do it consistently, you know. It's and it's the same thing with you know with Rowlett and in with their bat with, in the bat situations. You know, all of a sudden this defense has been dominant, and all of a sudden someone scores forty eight. Then the next week they you know hold a good def- or good offense to six points. So there have been flashes. I mean, you can say that about any team. Yeah. There have been flashes for both, um, but I think they're both playing their most, their most consistent ball of the season right now, and it should be a great game on Friday. That being said, who you got? Uh, speaking of going back and forth uh, a million times, um, you know, it's you can say that about every week. You can say that about every hour on the hour as I kind of analyze and broke down this game. Um, right now, I have I have Saxy in a thirty-one to twenty-four type game. Uh, I think I give the edge um, to them with experience. 
and the fact that they did play that battle, you know, they're battle tested mm-hmm. with that early season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, run through Coppell, Trinity, and Plano East. Uh, Rowlett, you know, Doug Stevens, he would have loved to have got that game in against Rockwall. Uh, just, you know, just for the, the test yeah. because they did have a good, a good game against Plano. Um, you know, they handled McKinney Boyd, you know, fairly easily in the opener. Uh, but, you know, the more tough games you play early on, the better it serves you down the road. And a lot of these sexy guys had the experience from last year when they went to the regional semifinals, when they fell behind Rockwall in the fourth quarter and had a rally and win that game in overtime, when they fell behind Liverpool Hendrickson uh, by, you know, four touchdowns and came back in the fourth quarter and nearly tied at the end. A lot of those guys went through those battles. And I think if it's in a close game, as we talked about before, Rowlett has not been in a lot of them. Saxe has. And I think that gives him the slight edge to pull out a, a one-score win. The uh, the picket line was um, is, is on your side as well. I believe this was a 5-1 to one margin in favor uh, in favor of Saxe. Kendrick Johnson taking the, uh, the Eagles, but Taylor... As he is wanting to do, man. As, 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 as he's, his family lives in Rowlett, I believe, is the, uh, is the tie there. So, so Taylor, myself, Justin, Brian, Devin, you, uh, we were all siding with Saxe, but we shall see. I guess this would be, what, the third straight win for Saxe in this rivalry series? It, it was. It's, Rylett holds the all-time edge 10-4, to 4, mm-hmm. but Saxe's won four of the last six, including the last okay. two. And, like, 18 district games in a row, right? So that yeah. that math does it. <laughs> yes. So that is a look at, um, at what to expect for our reader-voted game of the week, Saxe versus Rylett. Once again, this one is Friday, 7 o'clock, at Homer B. Johnson Stadium in Garland. Um, but let's get the perspective from one of the key players in this matchup. Uh, Saxe linebacker Bryce Robinson took a chance to chat with uh, with Devin earlier today to preview the uh, the big game coming up Friday against Rowlett, and we will see what Bryce had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Hey y'all, this is Devin Hassan. I'm out at Saxe High School where I'm joined by Saxe star linebacker Bryce Robinson. Bryce, appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your busy schedule to uh, to join us as we continue talking about Game of the Week, uh, which is Saxe at Rowlett, Friday night, 7 p.m. at Homer B. Johnson Stadium. We'll get to some of those stakes in a moment. Uh, what I found funny, Bryce, is on Friday night, uh, I was on Twitter for actually at a different game, mm-hmm. and uh, the Saxe game had not ended, the Rowlett game had not ended, yet the social media was already buzzing about this game with <laughs> yeah. Mustang Nation with Let Nation, they were already doing a little bit of jawing, a little bit of trash talking. As a player, how hard is it to avoid getting caught up in some of that? It's not really hard at all. It's just we focus on what we need to do and get the job done on Friday night. Well, and as, as far as this rivalry goes, it's kind of one of the newer rivals in Texas. A lot of the old uh, entrenched ones, you see city versus city, mm-hmm. where the entire city rallies around. Y'all is a little bit different in that you're part of the same school district. Yep. You neighbor each other. I know a lot of you guys play peewee together, mm-hmm. even play middle school together, maybe even live in the same neighborhoods. Would you describe this as a friendly rivalry, or how would you characterize this, uh, this, this rally at Saxe rivalry? I guess you could say it's a little friendly rivalry. Uh, where I live at, I mainly play with people like from Naaman and stuff like that. But a lot of people in the Saxe area, yes, we grew up with uh, people from Rowlett and stuff. So, so it's very friendly. 
friend, you except know, for this week. Except for this week, yes. <laughs> except for this week. Well, uh, you're a three-year starter, and obviously you all have enjoyed a lot of success during your uh, sophomore and junior campaign. So mm-hmm. I'll go 23-2. and two. Uh, You make it to the regional semifinals for the first time last year. Uh, this year, you start off 0-3 yeah. against some very good competition. Yeah. But this is kind of uncharted waters for, for y'all, uh, you know, your seniors. Uh, after that start, uh, what was kind of the mood in the locker room like? And, and as a senior leader, what, what did you talk to the team about? Oh, it was like we don't hang our heads at all. We don't hang our heads at all. We just keep on fighting because we knew that the plan was to play tougher teams so we could do better in district and better have a, and have a better playoff run. So that was not the plan to lose, but plan to play tough, tougher teams. Yeah, and you think you're a better team for it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot better. Now, and watching you over the years, um, you do a little bit of everything on the field. You lead the team in tackles. You're among the team leaders in sacks, tackles for loss. I know you drop back in coverage. But I know you also have responsibility as far as being a leader, being a captain, getting your, your teammates in line. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of define your role out there on the defense? Oh, I say I'm a vocal leader. I try to get everybody in their spots, tell the D-line what to do, and once they make a great play, I celebrate with them. If I make a great play, they celebrate with me. So it's no selfishness I got with myself. It's I'm a team player, and I love when everybody makes plays. It's crazy. Okay. Well, in addition to bragging rights this week, uh, there's a lot more on the line. I know you guys would love to have that outright district championship. Uh, you guys won 18 straight district games. Mm-hmm. I know you don't want that streak to end at any time, oh, but no. especially not to Rowlett. And then there's a matter of playoff seeding. Um, if y'all get that number one seed, there's a potential rematch with Plano East yes. there in the first round. Are these factors that y'all talk about, or do you try to downplay it You know, during the course of the week and just let what comes afterwards? Uh, we, don't like, we don't really like to look forward, so we're just focused on this game. But, yes, definitely we don't want to lose at all. We don't want to break our streak, and that's basically it. We just don't look forward. Yeah. Well, and obviously the task at hand, our game of the week, you guys coming in on a six-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 7-1 and one with just the one loss. Uh, this this game went down to the wire last year, one yeah. of the best games uh, in the Metroplex all season long. Um, how do you see this game playing out, and what are the keys to to, uh, to y'all walking out of there at uh, Hobie Johnson Stadium with a victory? Oh, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game from start to finish. And we got to dominate the line of scrimmage, and we got to make big plays when it, when it's uh, time to make big plays. And we just can't let them get going. That's it. Fantastic. Well, I think that's going to about wrap things up here at Saxon High School. Bryce Robinson, appreciate yes. you jumping on for a few minutes with us. Thank you. And uh, now back to the podcast. Thanks again to Bryce Robinson for taking the time to chat with Devin for our student athlete spotlight, previewing our Week Eleven game of the week, Saxy versus Rowlett. Um, so let's uh, yeah, let's stick with it. Let's talk about four of the other marquee matchups on the docket. Um, like I said, some worthy selections this week. Had to leave a couple pretty big games off the poll, unfortunately, because there's a five there's a five game cap. So with all due respect to games like the Crosstown Showdown in McKinney and Little Elm the Colony, you know, just any other week you probably make it. But uh, some good uh, some good selections this week, including one for. Uh, I guess for uh, for second place in District 75A Division One, this one is on Thursday, 7 p.m. out at McKinney ISD Stadium, Mesquite Poteet against McKinney North. Um, Devin, you've got a, a school in this uh, in this race. Um, for, I guess first off, just to clarify, just kind of what are the playoff ramifications? I guess as far as this game is concerned. Uh, well, Poteet comes in at four and one. Mm-hmm. McKinney North and Sherman are both three and two. Uh, Poteet controls its own destiny. Yeah. It's very simple for them. If they win, they're the second seed. McKinney North. You know, if they win, Sherman has to play Tyler John Tyler. Yeah. So if, if they pull that upset, McKinney North upsets Poteet, then we have three-way chaos mm-hmm. and we have point differential uh, come into effect in, in terms. Well, and, and I don't see, even if McKinney North is able to beat Poteet, which I don't think they would, mm-hmm. they would essentially have to beat them by 17 okay. to mm-hmm. cover that cap. Um, and then it's first, the way they do it is first one eliminated. And so you slate them accordingly, Poteet 2, Sherman 3, uh, McKinney North 4. Um 
I'm assuming they don't blow him out, but mm-hmm. I didn't expect Sherman to blow out McKinney North either. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the most likely scenario, I guess, is if Poteet wins, um, then McKinney North and Sherman end up tied for that third spot, and then Sherman, by virtue of head-to-head, would be third, McKinney North fourth. Okay. Where was your city? You, you perceive Poteet getting the job done in this one? Anything specific that led you to that uh, to that pick? I do. I think I think they're too balanced on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they spotted John Tyler a twenty-one nothing lead last mm-hmm. week, and then got their game together and really controlled you know from that point on methodically came back thought they had a miraculous win Seth McGowan scores the 15 seconds left but that apparently was too much time to leave for John Tyler <laughs> who throws the uh, 49 yard uh, Hail Mary with one second left on the clock to win it 48-44 uh, to their credit McKinney North had their chance against Tyler mm-hmm. John Tyler as yeah. well that was a 28-25 to game uh, I just I'm still perplexed by that early season run where they barely you know, they, they, what did they lose to Wakeland um, which is not, not a horrible loss, but you know they barely beat Rockwall Heath, who's really struggled this year. And then again, the one that I can't get over is the blowout loss to Sherman, uh, where Sherman just ran all over him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like 360 yards yeah. um, on the ground, and that's where I think Poteet has the edge. And Seth McGowan is one of the top running backs uh, in the area. He averages nearly eight. Eight yards per carry, twenty touchdowns, over twelve hundred yards uh, on the ground, and the difference is Poteet. If they decide to load the box, Dalton Dale can beat you through the air. Mm. He threw for three hundred forty yards last week. Cam Lampkin is a dynamic playmaker on the outside. Devin Martin, their six five, two hundred fifty pound sophomore, is just he just there's really no way to stop him. He just goes. He uses that frame. He's got good speed, and they've really utilized him well, especially as the season has gone on. Uh, Lewis Moore, Tristan Golightly, they've got four legit targets on the outside to go along with Seth McGowan and with a quarterback and get them the ball. I just think that's too much firepower for Kenny North. As uh, it feels like you've been doing the picket line for a while, it feels like every year there's a few, there's one or two schools that just we can't figure out <laughs> as, as a collective. I mean, I'm sure it's like Frisco ISD has been has given you nightmares in the past. This year, I think McKinney North is that team for me. I just cannot figure out what the Bulldogs are week to week. So it's probably a good thing for them that I'm picking up Hoti to win this game <laughs> as well, um, given the, yeah, my track record of whiffing on McKinney North games. Um, this one was, uh, much like Rowlett and Saxe, this was a 5-1 to one margin as well in favor of Poteet. Uh, the three of us, plus Justin and Brian, we are going with uh, with the Pirates. Kendrick Johnson uh, covers McKinney North. He is picking the Bulldogs to, to, pull the, uh, to pull off the home win, which, I mean, I don't know if it would be an upset. McKinney North, I think it is really, outside, again, outside of that Sherman game aside, they've they've proven to be one of the upper tier teams in this district. So. Yeah, and I don't think they've lost it in my seat, have they? No, they're not. No. So, they're undefeated in the stadium. Let's see. Let's shift gears to um, to some Friday action, including a uh, oh boy, District Five Five A Division One. Um, one of the uh, one of several games in that district that um, bears will uh, will bear some significance on the playoff picture. Uh, this one is Friday seven o'clock out at Toyota Stadium, Frisco Independence and Frisco Centennial. Uh, Brian Murphy is doing a story on all the tiebreaker <laughs> nonsense in that district that um, you can check out um, on our website StarLocalMedia.com just to get a uh, the uh, the skinny on what is what needs to go right for certain teams in that, where I believe there's, what, four teams that are tied for third place yes, in that district like that. for the last two playoff spots. Independence and Centennial are among that group. However, I believe that the winner of this game is not guaranteed a playoff berth. I don't think so, no. Because it depends on the results of the Wakeland Liberty game yep. and Little Elm, the Colony, so it might be off and off between the Knights and Titans. Um, nevertheless, um, between this game, um, if you look at the results, I mean, I mean kind of similar across the board. Yeah. Not a whole lot of difference between these two as far as you know common opponents go. I do tend to kind of trust Independence's play 
say a bit more recently versus uh, Centennial, which is riding a two-game losing streak mm-hmm. and then had a squeaker against Heritage. Um, so we'll see. But I ended up siding with the Knights in this one. Taylor, where did you lean? Man, it was a uh, kind of a coin flip, like you said. A lot of a lot of results that mirror one another. Um, Centennial with the forty-eight points given up to Lone Star looks pretty bad mm-hmm. um, to that school this year in that offense. But but maybe they figured something out. Uh, but with all that said, I went with Centennial. They got they had some late season magic uh, last year, uh, and I may or may not have gone there. Yeah, so. you're going to the <laughs> I'm cashing in my one my one uh, homer pick on a on a coin flip, so I don't feel like that's too bad. So we'll and, see. And it's a chance for you to pick up a game on the rest of the picket line. Yeah, there you go. You are on Lone Wolf Island with uh, with Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, five to five to one in favor of Independence. Taylor, you the dissenting vote taking the Titans. The rest of the staff siding with the Knights. Let's see. Let's shift gears to another Friday game. Scroll down here. The Battle of the Axe. Louisville at Marcus, Friday 7 o'clock at Marauder Stadium. I'm a believer in Louisville. Um, it took a, <laughs> another team that was very, very difficult to figure out, just yeah, like many was, of the was, games in that district. I, I was going to say you were talking about that team, that, that McKinney North. That, yeah. that was your... I think I've picked against Louisville every time they've been on the picket line all season long. I picked for Marcus, I think, every time they've been on the picket line, and I pretty much got that wrong. So I just cringed when I saw this game. But I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, how can you – I looked at, again, this is why you can't read too much into, uh, in, into early games, um, but those early results, beating Grand Prairie 24-21, yeah. um, you know, barely, you know, playing all team Sam Houston – Close. No, no. I'm sorry, they lost to Grand Prairie 24-21. Barely beating Arlington Sam Houston. You know, it kind of throws you off the, the path, but they're a team that's proven they got stronger all year long playing mm-hmm. in that tough district. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost to Flower Mound in the district opener in a very competitive game. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, that one looks good now. And then they've taken care of business since that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marcus hasn't. You know, Marcus has in previous years, it seems like. It seems like, you know, they're kind of a perennial playoff team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Louisville – Giving up basically 11 points per game in his last four. I, I'm, defense I'm, on, is, I'm on that farmer's bandwagon It's now. legit, man. <laughs> there, I mean, you mentioned them losing to Flower Mound. Not only were they at one point, they were in control of that game heading into the second half until Flower Mound just mounted, what to hear Justin describe it, just a crazy comeback. So they are kind of a, I don't know if that was like kind of a, if you play that game ten times, how much you get that same result. But, I mean, Flower Mound and Louisville is not too far from being undefeated in that district, which who would have thought that at the start of the season? So, yeah, I mean, the, the job that they did last week in beating and they've already got a win over Capella under their belt. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on the uh, on the Farmers, and I like them to, to stay hot against uh, against a Marcus team that has just been a bit too inconsistent on the uh, on the season. And that was a uh, yeah. Rest of the staff is a believer as well. That was a six zero <laughs> clean sweep for Louisville in the in the Battle of the Axe. Um, just for uh, for the sake of playoff discussion, Marcus does need a win, obviously, to help its case for the playoffs. But they're also up against it, in which they also need Hebron to lose to winless Irving. So I'm um, a bit of a long odds, a little bit long. For the uh, for the Marauders, but nevertheless, they got to hold up their end first by taking care of business against the Farmers. So we'll see what happens in the latest installment of the Battle of the Axe out at uh, out at Marauder Stadium. Let's close us out with a look at uh, probably the uh, the game of the week in District Nine Six A at the yeah. very least. Uh, Friday seven p.m. at Clark Stadium. Prosper visits Plano Senior. I'll be at this game. Um, two teams that um, kind of on paper, or at least as far as just kind of their stylistic build, very similar. Two teams yeah. that really thrive on the run game um, and generating, you know, a, a good block up front. Um, they kind of need that to ignite everything. They have um, they both both teams play solid defense, mm-hmm. um, but. 
I mean, we've talked about just with with what Plano has been able to do with um, just the role that they've gotten on right now, and just the confidence and the swagger that they're playing with. Having uh, you know had to almost, I mean, they're trying to run the table in this challenging home stretch that they've had with these last four weeks, and um, a win by them gets you know gets them into the playoffs. Prosper is assured a playoff spot regardless of uh, Friday's outcome. However, their seed they're going to be in Division Two, so whether it's the high seed or the low seed, that you know is still up in the air depending mm-hmm. on the result. They'll play either uh, Naaman Forest or Wiley in the first round of the playoffs um i like planning to stay hot here you know i think the uh, uh just the the renewed sense of identity that this team has been playing with you know we think earlier in the season we were mentioning that rowlet game where just you know i mean you saw it i mean Plano just that's not the Plano offense that no. i'm sure you would envision heading into that game and they've really um yeah they've just juiced up that offense got yeah. back to playing Plano wildcats football um and then i mean granted it's really tough to extrapolate a whole lot from how any team plays against allen yeah but the only time i've seen prosper was last week against allen and they gave up 600 plus yards and 472 on the ground. Um, I don't know if Plano can replicate the. I mean, because that offensive line performance by Allen was just something else. I don't know if you know Plano has the horses to, to blow Prosper off the ball quite yeah. like Allen did. But I know that Plano can run the ball with the best of them in the state. And with the job that Kyron Cumbie and Tylen Hines have been doing running behind that line, yeah, it's just it's tough to go against Plano right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Hines and Cumbie, the the kind of one-two punch, and it's interesting because you know you key in so much on Cumbie, but then Hines is has come into his own so much, even being you know two years younger, um, that he actually gets you know most of the production and most of the glory. And but it's it's definitely a two-headed monster, and, and they've got it going right now. I think one of the more interesting battles in this one will be um, the Plano defensive front against that Prosper offensive yes. line because Prosper has to run the football. We've seen it you know every time they've gone out this year. It's it's their results are highly contingent upon. Whether or not they can run Wayne Anderson, um, and, and that offensive line is for real at Prosper. It's a six A offensive line. They're big, um, they're physical, they're good. But at the same time, you know, Plano's got a, a good defensive front. Um, you know, with Hurst especially. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see. Um, but I like uh, with you. I, I think I'm just kind of thinking the same way. I think Plano's just going too well right now. I think if you know they played like this all season long or all district long, they're they're unquestionably the second best team in the district um, with how good they've been lately. So. So we'll see, man, but I, I think Plano's just too hot right now to, to go against. The uh, Let's see, the Wildcats received a 4-2 to vote in uh, on the picket line. It said the three of us, plus Justin Thomas, siding with Plano Sr., Kendrick Johnson, Brian Murphy, taking Prosper. Man, Kendrick has quite a few picks different from the rest of us. <laughs> man, he likes that, man. He, hey, he's all in on the lone wolf and, and on the different picks, the it's minority been, uh, picks. It's worked to his detriment in recent weeks as Kendrick is now uh, second to last in the picket line. So we'll see. Hey, this has got to get back on track somehow, so we shall uh, we shall see. And that is we it. hope not, though. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that is a look at, I guess, five of the marquee matchups that are on our high school football coverage docket for this week. Um, as far as live coverage goes, uh, Devin, I imagine we, we all know which game you're going to be at on Friday. Oh, yes. Uh, Rowlett, Saxe, 7 o'clock, uh, Friday at uh, Homer B. Johnson Stadium. Taylor, how about you? Well, Thursday, actually, we'll both be uh, covering games. Yeah, I'll be out at Lake Dallas, Lebanon Trail, uh, Toyota Stadium on Thursday, and then out at Kimbrough for Point East Jesuit. Uh, on Friday, another big 9-6-A matchup. Mm-hmm. Not maybe the matchup we envisioned between the Jesuit and Plano East coming into the year, but still some pretty big uh, postseason implications there. So I'll be out there bro, for East that has one. to win the game. Yeah, has to win the game. Otherwise, they could be at a tiebreaker mercy yep. if certain uh, if certain results do not work in their favor. Um, my Thursday slit, I will be out at Allen Eagle Stadium to watch Allen take on Plano West. 
that's a game that will happen um, <laughs> Friday. On Friday, I will be out at uh, Clark Stadium for Prosper and Plano. Um, you can follow along. I'll be tweeting out updates all throughout the game. You can follow me along at mwelchslm. Uh, Devin, where can folks follow you at? Uh, at Devin Hassan. At Taylor Raglan. And once We're simple people. Are, once our games are done, the first spot you can check out our stories as well as Rapid Reaction Podcasts, video highlights, all that good stuff is at StarLocalMedia.com, and that will conclude this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.